full screen there. Cool. We should be good to go. How's it going, everybody? I'm JW, the Boot Hill Kid, and with me today is Josh Costner. Josh, how you doing? Doing great. Awesome. Uh, Josh, I'll let them give. I'll let you give them kind of a brief overview of your background, if you want. Sure thing. I'm a combat veteran. I served in Operation Iraqi Freedom. Uh, come from a long line of uh, government military service, going all the way back to uh, the founding of the country. Every generation has served in the military. Um, I, uh, after got out of the military myself, uh, went into college, spent uh, spent the better part of a decade attending classes studying emergency management, disaster preparedness, and uh, focus on uh, prevention, uh, disaster prevention. Or uh, another, well, a different aspect of it is uh, disaster mitigation, which is just a fancy word for lowering the impact of disasters on assets, uh, businesses, lives, and so on. Cool. Uh, when people who watch my channel already know, uh, I'm, I'm a school teacher. I'm a tech guy. Um, you know, I, I'm into emergency preparedness, uh, prepping, and all that. I've been into that. My whole life, uh, my father was in the military and raised me pretty much like I was for the most part. Uh, and a lot of what we're about to talk about today, you and I have talked a little bit off and on about, and it's something that I was raised learning as an everyday. It's a constant, the things that we're going to talk about. Uh, it, it was just a normal thing growing up, and I didn't realize until I got older that not everyone thinks or does things the way you and I do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, you coming from a military background, you, I'm sure your father was in the military, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Probably yes. probably the, pretty much the same upbringing. Um, and we're going to talk about a, a lot of this, that stuff too today. So uh, the topic for today is uh, situational awareness and uh, pretty much being the, the master of your, your own security detail kind of. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I'm going to pop up. Well, first, let's just talk about uh, situational awareness. What it is uh, in in your mind? What what? How would you define situational awareness? Uh, well, situational awareness broken down, I guess, in the simplest forms is at any given time uh, in the space that you're in within. Within time and space, your personal observations of what's going on around you and being able to uh, accurately project what's going to happen within the next few moments. Right. Yeah, that, that's exactly the way I see it as well. Uh, you know, being able to it, – it's almost like the, the older people you see people watching. You know, they're, they're watching people and not necessarily for a nefarious reason, but uh, people watching is not a bad thing uh, to notice – what kind of people are around you and to basically what's the word I'm looking profile, you know, profile the people that are around you. Um, we come, you know, at our age, you know, 30 to 40, we grew up that profiling was bad because in terms that we grew up around profiling of police to black people or, or what have you was considered a bad thing. Uh, it wasn't until I was much older until I was an adult that I realized profiling is not bad as long as you're not using it for a bad reason, for nefarious reasons. Right. Now, situational awareness and profiling actually go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, the Merriam-Webster definition of profiling, it's the act or process 
of extrapolating information about a person yeah. based on known traits or tendencies. So if you can observe their traits, their tendencies, their habits, then you can begin to extrapolate the information and to make a determination of what type of person they are. What are their intentions? Uh, so it's, it's really important to be able to profile in that aspect. Right. No, I agree. And it, that comes to something else that I, I've got in a PowerPoint I'm about to pull up. Um, your database. This is something that I got. I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Kennedy. Are you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Just slightly, yes. Yeah. So Tim Kennedy is the uh, he, sheepdog response, a former MMA fighter. Uh, now I think he's a Ranger qualified Green Beret, uh, active duty. Uh, and that's one thing. And I've actually, I'm folks, I'm going to link that in this video, uh, in the uh, description of this video, one of his videos, uh, because he actually breaks this down really well. Um building a database of what is normal and what is not normal in your area for certain people, even for certain genders, races, ages, you know, building that database will help you notice it much, much quicker when something is not right. Uh, right. When something's off kilter. It's good to have that database reference, that template, if you will, to be able to say, okay, well, this is what typically happens. Yeah. This is outside the, the realm or the range of, Sure. So it's something that needs our attention. Sure. And that's, and it's going to be different for your region, for the race, for the age, the sex. I mean, it's going to be different everywhere you go. So, but being able to build on that database, you know, our, our minds are to me a very, um, very complex and, and exciting thing that you can actually use it like a computer. Your brain is a computer. You know, you can build this database up, to the point where you can know within milliseconds that, hey, that's not right. That that person right. is acting out of character for this area and that type of person. Um, it's really, I'd like to interject here, it's sure. super easy to obtain this information, this knowledge, because there's a building in every town that has an incredible amount of wealth in it. It's called the library. <laughs> and if you want to know more about any subject, you don't necessarily have to go to college for eight to ten years like I did to learn about certain subjects. Yeah. I understand psychology, some of the latest books on it are down at the library. Yeah. Get you a membership, go study, put in the hours. You might not have the degree, but you're going to know enough to understand people, to understand behaviors, yeah. and to better protect your family. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's one thing. I took psychi- uh, psychology and sociology in high school and college. Um, never didn't major in either one of those. I took them just as a, you know, classes I could take. Uh, but as an adult, I've gone through and, and studied psychology and sociology to better understand human behavior, um, to try to build that database as an adult. Now I having kids, I've spent the vast majority of my adult life trying to be able to profile people, trying to be able to, to detect that threat to protect my children before Mm -hmm. it ever becomes an issue. Um, And just like you said, library, I think a lot of people forget about the libraries now with, with the advent of Google and the internet and uh, having all that information at your fingertips. But sometimes just getting a book and diving in there is the best thing you can do. There really is something about having that paper in your fingers. Yeah. Turning the page, reading it, absorbing, and even reading it aloud to yourself yeah. uh, can be beneficial. Absolutely. You mentioned, you mentioned being a parent and, and situational awareness and parenthood go hand in hand. Oh, yeah. Again. Yeah. Another facet of, of the, the binders that can come together in life 
Uh, you've got situational awareness, your profiling, being a parent locks in there. Yeah. Uh, if you want to look at it from, from a, a chemical standpoint, uh, you, in, in various compounds, you have various connectors and various elements can connect. Well, sure. if you're looking at uh, parenthood, yeah, the parenthood needs to connect with aware situational awareness yeah. and with OPSEC and with profiling. You know, and with preparedness. So all these things need to intersect around parenthood, especially because yeah. we have a heavy weight on our shoulders. We have the responsibility. Uh, these children are in our care. Yep. Uh, and so we are responsible for them. Yeah, no, and that actually is a great segue into into my next point. Um, we are solely responsible at this point for our safety, our family's safety, and our children's safety. Um Police, I'm a huge supporter of police and military. Do not take that the wrong way for anybody that's listening to this or watching this. Um, but the fact of the matter is, there's, in the town I live in, one cop per 1,200 people. They cannot yeah. be there every second of every day to protect you. It is my job to protect my wife. It is mine and my wife's job to protect our children. Um and then it's the job, a cop's job to come in and uh, take the report, arrest whoever needs to be arrested, or transport a dead body. I, I hate to be that way. I hate to say it that way, but that's well, that, it is what it is. It, it is. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, one thing about our colleges is they have produced a new realm, if you will, a new uh, thought process, a thought kingdom, if you will, mm. of this, this, these groups of people. And I'm not hating on anyone. I'm just saying there's a certain element out there. There's a certain group of people who truly believe it is more virtuous to become a statistic than it is to protect yourself and your family. Yeah. And that is a <coughs> that's a, a really sick mentality. And it's a dangerous mentality. It, they don't realize that they're that it's a sick mentality. They yeah. think it's the truth. They think it's true virtue. Yeah. But in all reality, it is shirking the responsibilities that yeah. you have as a parent and as a husband to protect your family and and your uh, and your and your spouse. Absolutely. Well, and and that's I'm glad you made that point. There is a cultural shift today that I think we we can both agree on um, that. Men are not supposed to protect women. Women are equal. Women are absolutely equal to men. 100%. I think women deserve every equal opportunity to men. But from the beginning of time, the man's job was to be a provider and a protector. If you want to go to it from a biblical point of view, which I know some of my viewers may not be religious, and that's fine. From If you are from a biblical point of view, that's what we are. We are a protector and a provider. Um, right. Even if you're not religious, if you're an atheist and you're watching this, you don't have to come at it from that. We are stronger generally. <laughs> yeah, there are some outliers. Sure, there are some women out there that, that can out bench press me and uh, uh, probably beat the hell out of me. But, uh, Ronda Rousey. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, just as a human being, why would you stand want to stand there and watch a woman get beat? You know, it, if you don't have it ingrained in you, it's ingrained into our DNA to be protectors. And there's a shift now for men to not be protectors, to, to, to not do that. And I, I think that's dangerous. I, I think that's a very dangerous protocol for us to try to push. Um, I there's a, there's a, there's been a switch in society over the past 30 years with 
the the advancements of technology along with the lack of proper training of children in my humble perspective i feel that we as a society now the newest generation of becoming has lost their sanctity of life no absolutely uh, life is no longer sacred so when someone's getting beat down everyone instead of rushing to help now pulls out the cell phone yep. and hope oh, who can get the best angle on this because right. i need more views than you need on your social media Right. And that's just a horrible approach. Now, I yeah. may be wrong in, in what has led us to this point, but I can tell you we're, we have a problem in our society. The sanctity, the sanctity of life is gone, yeah. and it's all about views. How many clicks can we get? Yeah, everything is an instant gratification. How many likes are you going to get? How many shares? How many follows are you going to get? It's an instant gratification that that, that these, these kids are striving for, and it it's all a facade of friendship. You're not actually making friends and making bonds. Uh, or you know, you and I, for instance, we met not long ago, several, just a few months ago, we met and have been talking and, um, we have, we don't interact on social media. We interact on the phone. We interact through text messaging. We, we talk, mm-hmm. we have a conversation. Yeah. It's not, I'm going to throw this up on the internet and see how many views I can get. It's not, you know, just like this video we're doing, this is not for for either one of us to get famous or make money. This is to put, we want to put information out to help people. Exactly. Uh, we want to be able to, to give people information that could save their lives. Um, and, and just a, hopefully a, a shift in the perspective of the general population of this country. And hopefully Absolutely. bring things back to where we would like to see them again and where a lot of people would like to see them be again. It's going to take some hard work, and it's going to take a lot of time invested. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like, and talking to you, I think you feel the same. It's time for it's time for us to stop sitting back and watching. It's time for us to be proactive and yes. try to help people who who want to seek out this information, um, help them find it, and help them attain it. Well, proactive is a lot better than reactive. Absolutely, reactive often oftentimes comes too late. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, let's let's push on to the uh, the meat, I guess, of this what this video is about. Um, do you want to tell kind of what brought about this conversation, you and I, folks? This was not the original video that we had had talked about doing. Um, there's been some things that have come up um, that we thought this would be a better video to start with. You want to go ahead and tell them about that situation down there. Yeah, there was uh, there was a situation in a city not far from us. Uh, a young lady was out for a jog. Uh, she was uh, kidnapped on her jog, um, and then uh, later uh, murdered by her kidnapper. Uh, this lady was known to us by uh, my family members, and it really, really struck home. Because this was uh, a young lady who came from, a, you know, a very well-known family, a very well, well uh, established family in the region. Um, everyone knew her. Everyone loved her. Uh, and then the shocking part was that when it all came out, everyone knew the kidnapper and the murderer as well. And everyone had known him yeah. for years. And this was not someone that you would have expected necessarily for uh, to... to caused this in the community, but it just really drove home the point that there is no safe space. Yeah. There is no safe place. 
This can happen anywhere, uh, especially if your situational awareness is not where it needs to be. Absolutely. Uh, reports, and I don't have this confirmed or not, but it's believed that she had her earbuds in jogging to music, um, which a lot of us do, especially if we're in the gym. Yeah. However, if you are out on a road jogging, if you're out in open spaces, it's probably better for you not to have your earbuds in because yeah. anyone can come up behind you. Yeah, and that, you'll never know they are there. I want to just not gonna know. I want to inter- interject here. We'll stop uh, that from the time I was uh, earbuds came out when we were you know when we were coming up. Used to is the bigger headphones, you know. Right. Earbuds when we were coming up, that was the thing. You popped earbuds in; they were small, you know. Uh, my dad used to smack me in the back of the head if he saw me outside doing anything with earbuds in, and it was making the point. Smacked me in the back of the head. Did you even know I was there? No, Pop, mm-hmm. I didn't know you were there. That's the problem. I walked up on you, and you had no idea I was even on the place. Um, yeah. And that that submitted. I'm talking when I'm. 12, 13, and that cemented it for me. You, you, my wife is even commenting, you'll never see me anywhere with headphones or earbuds in, um, walking around ever. Uh, and it's become kind of a, a normal thing, especially, you know, when you see kids walking around town all day, headphones on, listening to music, because music's a big, has always been a big part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, now it is, you can carry it with you with the advent of you know, iPods and then cell phones and now Spotify and Apple music. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and we enjoy our music, but there's a time and place for it. Um, and actually I'm going to go ahead and present now that, uh, a, uh, just a quick little, Oh, we got to move this up. PowerPoint. Can you see that, Josh? Yes. Yeah, okay, I can see it. Cool. Uh, so this is just a quick, I hope there ain't no, I didn't even check it for misspelling. Uh, <laughs> I hope it, there's nothing misspelled in there. This is a quick little PowerPoint I did, just kind of for some topics, some talking points. Uh, and we just hit a couple of them. But these are kind of the general situational awareness zones, I guess you'd say, or um, awareness levels. Um, yes. white, you know, relaxed and completely unaware, yellow being relaxed, but aware, uh, minimum acceptable level when in public, you're carrying a firearm, orange potential threat identified, attempted to ver- attempt to verify evade if necessary, red mm-hmm. threat is verified, uh, evacuate necessary response. Um, so going back to the situation with the, the, the lady there in uh, your area, um, let me see if I can get this to quit. There we go. Stop presenting. <clears throat> uh, going back to that situation there, um, probably, and obviously none of us know this, but she was probably at a at a level white. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's out for her afternoon jog. Now, I, I, I know about this situation personally because I'm even a couple hours, two or three hours north of you, it, the, the news made its way up here. It was, it was pretty big in um, both our states and in our area. Um, right. It's my understanding that this was her normal track, or not track, but her normal route 
I guess. Yes. I don't know if you know that more or have information on that. But what she we had, heard. She had a routine play, routine running rounds. Yeah, so that that's what we heard as well. Um, I, I had also heard that um, she they think she had earbuds in as well. Um, that is an, an, at a level white, you're not paying attention. You're in your own little world. You're in your own head. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I told my wife when we got married, she lived like this. She, she lived at white all the time. And I tried to impress upon her every day. Hey, this is, this is not safe. What you're doing is not good. Uh, because in the, in the event that someone is trying to attack you, if you're at white, you have nowhere to go but red. So then what do you do? You're being reactive. You can't be proactive at that point. Um, I, I stay at yellow anytime I'm outside of my house. Um, <laughs> you have, do you have any comment on, on that? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, if you're in your own home, white is, is acceptable. With the doors locked. <laughs> With the doors locked, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when, when, when I was living there uh, in your town for a while, you know, we felt like we lived in a, a decent part of the town. You yeah. Know? We lived right there on Washington Street, surrounded by beautiful homes. We lived in a beautiful 4,000 square foot, you know, 1880 house that was immaculate. Yep. Uh, gorgeous yard, gorgeous landscaping, everybody around us the same way. Yeah. But Vandeventer, which ran right beside us, in the last six months we were there, there was three drive-by shootings. Yep. A hundred yards from our house. And so it doesn't matter if you're in your home or not. If there's a drive-by shooting that close, you could have bullets come in your home. Absolutely. And so uh, even in cases like that, your your environment really will determine that. Right. Um, and you have to be aware of the place you're living. Now, Absolutely. as opposed to where we're living now, gorgeous neighborhood. Uh, some of the people in this neighborhood are multimillionaires. Um it's quiet. It's mostly retirement age people. Yeah. Um, it's the whole town is actually 70% retirement. Yeah. Uh, very, very, <laughs> I hate to say elitist. Um, very, <laughs> very upper echelon. Yeah. Yeah. On the income scale. Right. So it's a vast difference to where we were, we were at previously. Yeah. And uh, the mentalities here are different. The people here take pride in their yards and their homes and their vehicles. They take pride in the way they carry themselves and present themselves. Yeah. So there's a completely different uh, mentality in society in this area. Yeah. And so you, you don't have the fears that you did where we moved from. Right. Uh, and that, that definitely helps us feel much more at ease at night when we tuck the kids in bed. Sure. Uh, we don't feel threatened like we did up there. Yeah. So it's, it's, now we still, when I go outside, I still, I'm up, you know, my alertness goes up. My situational awareness is, is engaged. I'm watching because human trafficking is a real thing. It happens. As yeah. a, and, and as a parent, seeing it and being very aware, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about the fact that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids are kidnapped every year. And yeah. It, it makes people uncomfortable. They don't want to admit that it's right here in our backyards. Yeah. So they dismiss it. They're like, Psh, no, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. 
Yeah. Well, the time has come. We have to talk about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. You've got some numbers, I think, for us um, from 2019, I believe, on uh, oh, absolutely. kidnapping and trafficking. Absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm looking at it here, but I think you probably have more information than what I can decipher from yeah. this. And it's been the increase in trafficking uh, has been human trafficking has gone up uh, just from from 2018 to 2019. I went up almost 20%. Wow. Which is a huge jump. That's a staggering, staggering percentage jump. Uh, yes. Uh, and then we're, we're estimating it, it's, it's going to go up uh, more for 2020 because now 2020 we have this mask mandate. Um, yeah. You know, here's the thing. Someone can grab your child, <laughs> throw a mask on them, change. You know, let's say you have a little girl. Yeah. And uh, say a little five-year-old, somebody yep. grabs and throws a mask on him, pulls the hair up in a under a hat or a ball cap, mm-hmm. different clothes. All of a sudden, your little girl looks like a little boy. Yeah, they're walking through the crowd with masks on. Nobody <coughs> can tell who it is. Or yeah, grab them. So it's very, very, very scary. Yeah. Um, I, I want to actually really- comment on that real quick uh, before we sure. get too much further. The mask thing um, it is, has everything to do with what we're talking about. I, from the beginning, have been against the masks uh, for two reasons. For one, it enables criminals. It enables criminals to go about their day-to-day without fear of being singled out because now everybody's wearing a mask. Um, As where before COVID-19, if you saw somebody walking into a store with a mask, they were there to rob you. Um, Mm -hmm. So so we've now, we've made, we've normalized this so criminals are, are able to do things that they can get away with easier now. The second, just what you were talking about, kids, you know, if you take a kid and put duct tape on their mouth and put a mask on them, no could tell. you see duct tape on my mouth? No, you, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, it, it's a very dangerous president. Um, on the flip side of that, I do like now that the facial recognition doesn't work when I go into a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, there, there's yeah, a dual right now. It will work in the airports, even if you have your mask. Yeah, you have that type of mask on. You just pull yeah. Um, I mean, that, that is a serious economy. We're, we're normalizing behavior that is, is making it easier to steal children, uh, to, to commit crimes and get away with them. And, um, that's a big problem. Yeah, we're, we're nor- that, once again, going back to that culture we talked about, they're normalizing a lot of things. Look at Portland. Look at cities like that. There's a lot of stuff being normalized where the good guys are being cast as the bad guys. Exactly. That's a a discussion for another day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to comment on that because you made a good point there. I just wanted to to expand on it a little bit. Um, I'm looking at the age uh, at time of the the abduction on this report that you sent me, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if there's something we need to discuss before that or is that a good one to start with? No, that's a good one. Yeah, so I'm looking at the average age being 17, um, 15 to 17 being the age range is the average or the highest percentage. Am I reading right. that correctly? Uh, for uh, for sex trafficking. For, yeah, yeah. In yeah. Typically, yeah, for both male and female. Yeah, 15 to um, 17 with 17 being the, the, the largest portion. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, for in in males, it's a lot lower of a percentage of that happening. But in females, females actually, um, 
the, it starts, it really is heavy, zero to eight years old. Yeah, yeah, I was just it, about to it, comment it on that. It drops down mm-hmm. uh, nine to 11, and then when, of course, when puberty hits, it skyrockets, skyrockets from like 12 to 17. Yeah, actually, let me, uh, let me throw this on the screen here. You won't be able to see this because you're looking at it on yours. Folks, this is uh, polarisproject.org. Uh, this is what we are talking about right here. Um, you can kind of see the the data range here. I mean, it, like like Josh said, between zero and eight, um, it, it's super high, and then it drops down from nine to eleven, and then skyrockets from you know eleven to seventeen, eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about that as a parent, I, I you know I've got. I've got three small kids. That's scary. That's a scary t- statistic. Um, and, and the fact that do we have breakdowns between male and female? Oh, we don't have breakdowns, do we? Uh, yeah, we do actually. Oh, yeah, well, I see it there on the as left. As far now. as as far as the known, the yeah. known survivors, right. Right. we have uh, for for last year over three thousand males and over fifteen thousand females. Yeah, which is um, staggering. Staggering. Yeah. Um, do we have? A, that's just the, that's just the survivors who were able to right. uh, escape and have been able to, yeah. this, this organization. Right. Yeah. There's so countless more that we don't know. Right. About. That haven't been probably haven't been recovered, uh, right. or, or have not reported to this particular survey. Mm-hmm. I imagine. Um, do we have a number in here of the total? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what we we're just talking about. Fifteen thousand female. 3,000 mm-hmm. males. Folks, we're talking, we got 3,000 unknown. Uh, yeah. That's that's over 20,000 people. That's 20,000 children. That just were able to survive and be in contact with this hotline. Exactly. So, probably double that. Probably, probably double more. that number. More than double. Uh, the the trafficking hotline received over forty eight thousand individual traffic related contacts in twenty nineteen. Folks, to give y'all kind of a an idea, that number is twice as many people that live in my town. Twice as many children being kidnapped. Is this just for the U.S.? Yes, this is just for the United States. This is just the U.S. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So above this, we've got from uh, December 2007 to December 2019, 63,000 total situations identified through the hotline. Yeah, 63,000. That's, that's just this hotline. <laughs> um, that's, that is jaw dropping. I mean, that I, it, very rarely do I find myself uh, speechless on something. If you want to go worldwide, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Hundreds of thousands. Uh, I believe it was, I think the estimates were over 180,000 annually. Wow. That uh, that are are, uh, either kidnapped or trafficked. Now, there's some situations where the sex trafficking does not occur with kidnapping. There are some situations where the trafficking occurs back door to back door in the neighborhoods and it's it's a normal lifestyle for them and they don't know that it's wrong they've been raised in this environment where actual family members are selling portions of time off with their kid to other people i imagine that's probably hop off the school bus come home change clothes they'll drive to the next neighborhood 
that kid will hop out and go inside for an hour or two and then get picked back up and brought back home. Being raised and conditioned to not realize it's wrong. Being groomed. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I wonder how, how it would be interesting to me. And I know we probably don't have these numbers, but it would be interesting to me to see how much, what percentage of those situations were drug related or trade was, would be trading for drugs. Uh, because I know that happens. Uh, I would does. be interested to know what percentage of, of that would be drug related. I imagine it's a, it's a lot. I, I imagine that percentage is high. I would, I mean, just from the reports that I've seen in the news, uh, I don't have the database on that uh, accessible right now, but yeah. just on what I've seen on uh, news reports, I would say it's probably every bit of 25% yeah. at least. Yeah, which is, I would consider high. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we've got a problem. Um, anybody that thinks we don't have a problem, uh, you are lying to yourselves. You cannot have that it'll never happen to me mentality. Um we as a culture believe we are far safer than we are. We are not safe, people. Um, and if you live your life like you're not safe, you tend to be able to notice when you're not safe easier, if that makes sense. Um, if you go about your day-to-day thinking, I'm safe, nothing will ever happen to me, it'll never happen to me, then by the time you notice it, it's too late. Um, I had a situation. Such as myself that have had the extensive training. Yeah. Uh, on everything from situational awareness to OPSEC, uh, there, we do carry a certain confidence. I'm not worried about myself at all. I've got yeah. the extensive training. Worst case scenario, um, I may get jumped by several people, yeah. uh, which actually has happened before. Been there. <laughs> the, uh, there was a time up in Missouri where I did get jumped by five other guys at the same time. Uh, but, of course, I also have the mentality of most people, when they come into a fight, they don't want to get hurt. Right. So they're going to be holding back a little. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I take another person off this planet. I just don't. Yeah. If, I, if, if you end up in a wheelchair permanently for the rest of your life or worse, uh, not my problem. Yeah. No, that's that me. So uh, thankfully, that particular incident uh, ended in me not having to go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Thank <laughs> God. Other people yeah. having to. Yeah. Um, well, we have a, we have a unfortunate notion about fighting in this country because of the, the popularity of boxing and MMA that, uh, in a fair fight folks, there's no such thing as a fair fight. Uh, no. I'm fighting to win. Uh, one of my dad, my dad, uh, used to say, I'm, uh, too young to die and too old to take an ass whooping. Uh, <laughs> There's, there's no like such – yeah, my dad has some good ones. Um, I'll have to introduce you to my dad next time you're close up here. Um, yeah, there's there's no such thing as a fair fight. And just like Josh said, I, I'm i not fighting for a belt. Uh, there's no referee. There's no octagon. I'm fighting to win. Um, if it comes down to my life and yours, you best believe I'm going to be the one trying to win. Um yeah. And I'm actually glad you you mentioned that we, um, like I said, we we just we think about fighting as an octagon. You know, these people, anybody can get trained to fight. I took my parents put me in martial arts when I was a kid. Um, my dad, being former military, I've been handling guns since I was about five or six. Um, I had to be able to field strip and clean a gun before I could ever go shoot it. 
Uh, and my dad would make me clean it when we came home from shooting. He taught me Absolutely. firearm safety. He he taught me how to defend myself. When I was a kid, I was uh, I didn't like to fight. I didn't like. I wanted people to like me. The best thing my dad ever did was to push me to defend myself when people were picking on me. Um, it, it gave me a confidence. Put me in martial arts. It gave me a confidence that I know I can handle myself. I don't have to prove myself. Um, but I know when the situation arises, I'm I'm going to handle it. Uh, you cannot be worried about someone else because they're not worried about you. If someone is attacking you, they don't give a damn about your life. Why should you give a damn about theirs? You know, and this is the part that people don't like to talk about. You know, I've seen a lot of memes thrown around. If somebody breaks into your house and you shoot them, then you, you care more about your property than their life. No, they didn't give a damn about their life when they broke in my house. They forfeit their life when they broke into my damn house. I'm protecting my family. It's not about my property. I don't know what you're doing if you come in my house at three in the morning. I'm going to put you down. It goes back to that culture we talked about. There's the culture that's rising in America that feels like uh, you you should become this statistic. You should never, you know, even if the other person comes at you with violence, don't you dare show violence to them. It's just like uh, someone commented. um, Oh, they were they were uh, talking about that. that situation that we mentioned earlier in uh, yeah, yeah, Russia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I said, well, I said, you know, it's, it's clear that the individual involved in that uh, had training yeah. from a young age. Three for three. Said, yeah. <laughs> he had with, good with, training. With no and, no uh, citizen shot that weren't intended. <laughs> right. Um, I would like to point out that, uh, you know, the argument was made, well, Kids shouldn't be allowed to access that kind of stuff. You shouldn't be allowed to access it until you're, you know, a grown adult. And so, well, for all intents and purposes, he, he was. It's clear that he had been trained in the proper techniques. And, and so medical we training. all trained. And so I feel like in kids in school need to go through the proper training, gun safety training and awareness training. So if they are trained properly, they're going to have that respect for the weapon. If you notice when he was running, muzzle down until engaging the target. Muzzle down until engaging the target. Absolutely, uh, you know it's it's always muzzle down. Yeah, when you're when you're transporting a weapon of any kind. Yeah, uh, and, and and you don't have to join the military to get this training. There are hundreds of thousands of firearms instructors that will train you. They will train you on firearm safety. They'll train you on uh, how to be proficient with a firearm, how to hold the firearm, how to how to be very competent with that firearm. Um, martial arts training for hand to hand. I believe that that self defense is all encompassing. It's it's mm-hmm. being able to handle yourself hand to hand. It's being able to handle yourself with a firearm or with any weapon at your disposal. If your firearm runs out of ammunition and you don't, God forbid, you don't have two spare magazines or a spare magazine on you. Is there a hammer around? Is there a knife around? If you don't have a knife, why not? Why aren't you carrying a knife for one? If you're a man in this country, you should have a knife in your pocket. Your grandfather did, and so do you. <laughs> That's not up for argument. <laughs> um, if you're a woman, I think you should carry a knife too. Uh, this is not unattainable goals. You don't have to join the Marine Corps or the Army and, and go into special forces to be proficient in this stuff, folks. I've never been in the military. It's something that I, I just uh, couldn't do for, for different reasons that I won't go into. Um, I, I still have a amount of training that makes me confident. Um, you know, and, and makes me very sure of myself that I can protect my family. Um, 
you know, you don't have to join the military to learn about situational awareness and OPSEC and doing something like this, watching this video where we're giving you information. I mean, this is free, folks. We're giving you information that could save your life. Um, and, and we're also going to link more videos in here that, that give, goes more in-depth into some of these topics uh, by people who are just phenomenal, phenomenal teachers in this. Um, I actually posted a – I did a short Facebook Live the other day. Uh, on this very subject. I will link and, that in the description as well, Josh. Uh, as a matter of fact, I titled, it was on August 28th yep. that I did the video, and I, I titled it To Defend or Not to Defend. It was just a short uh, three-minute video, but uh, it was specifically addressing the, the, the culture, the subculture that thinks you should be a statistic versus what should you actually do because if you've been blessed with a wife and children and a home, and vehicles and anything else, it is up to you to protect that. And if those who intend harm show up at your doorstep to do so, is it more virtuous to let them have their way with your family and your belongings? Or is it more virtuous to stand your ground and defend your family to the death if necessary? Yeah. To do your job. (laughs) That's yeah. I know where I stand as well on that. And, uh, Let's uh, let's get back to um, specifically situational awareness. Um, as far as the the situation that we were talking about earlier with the young lady, um, let's talk about now, folks. I want to let me preface this because there is a lot. There's a lot of stuff on social media now because of my channel. I'm on social media on all platforms of social media. And I, because I'm, I want to change the dynamic of our country and our culture, I keep up with these topics. There is a lot of people putting information out right now that are being chastised by a particular group. I'm not going to go into that. Um, they're being chastised for putting out the information that we are putting out. Um, and they're calling it victim blaming. Uh, there are people out there just saying women shouldn't have to do certain things to keep themselves safe. Men should not rape. Folks, this is going back to a Tim Kennedy thing. Evil has always existed. Evil will always exist. The only way to stop evil people are good people that are skilled in violence. That is a direct quote from Tim Kennedy. And I'm yes. going to I'm going to put that video in the link because it's a good video. You need to watch it. It is not to say that we need to we need to raise our kids correctly. Absolutely. How many kids do not have proper parenting? A lot. How many kids are in the foster care system that are just being passed around and fed and and given water just enough to keep them alive and they're not getting that parental training that it's a lot. To think that we as a society can stop all men from raping is it's it's a, a false hope. It'll never happen. You can stop them from raping again by changing our laws and putting to death anyone who's convicted, which I think we should be doing anyway. We should not be keeping these people alive. If you rape a woman, molest a child, cause harm to somebody, you need to be uh, you need to be put to death. Um, until we as a society decide that that's what we're going to do, then this problem is going to persist. So how do we stop this? How do we make women safer? By training. We have to get the information out there. So let's yes. talk about what this young lady could have. And again, I don't want to victim blame. I am talking about the situation that happened 
And I'm talking about what could have been done different that may have changed the dynamics of that situation. Um, go ahead. It, it could have helped if maybe, you know, and I don't know, I don't have access to this data. Sure. If she had any mace on her, if she had any bear spray or anything on her, I, I, I don't know. Right. That's one thing we don't if, know. If she did have it, it could have upped the odds a little. Yeah. But let's also look at the, the physicalities of it. She was 5'3", 95 pounds. Yep. He was, I think, 6'4", I believe he's 6'3", is Three. what I read. I believe so. So there was already an incredible, as you stated earlier, men generally are stronger. Yep. Uh, there was such an incredible physical advantage from him. Absolutely. Once his hands were on her, if she didn't have the proper training to eliminate that individual rapidly, there was absolutely no hope. And we, you know, once again, the data hasn't been released. Right. If she had earbuds in, did he come up behind her and strike her in the back of the head? Right. You know, what happened? Right. What happened? We don't know. Right. But what we do know is that when you're out and about, be situationally aware. If you're not trained in self-defense, make it happen. Get trained. Contact somebody. Yep. Get trained. Yep. I personally know some great trainers in the region that I can point you towards. Yeah. Um, just make it happen. We, yes, we are needing to raise our children to have that respect of boundaries. Yep. But there's always, as you said, there's always going to be evil men who don't respect boundaries. Yep. And so for those situations, we, we can never, it's an unrealistic hope to say we'll eliminate all rapists. It's an unrealistic hope in this broken world. Yeah. So raise your children to realize that's wrong. Don't do it. Good God. That should go without saying. Absolutely. God and all things freaking holy. But <laughs> at yep. the same time, be trained. Yep. Be specifically trained to defend yourself and your family and your loved ones. Um, I don't know what her level of training Sure. Yeah. But once again, we don't know the details in that realm, so we we, we can't even really speculate. Sure. Yeah. All we well, can say is this happened. Here's what we advise people to do to try to not let it happen. First off, yeah, men don't rape women. Duh. Yeah. Once yeah. again, should go without saying. Second off, women know how to defend yourselves because there are bad men out there. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and and just a couple, just to go through. I'm sure you probably you're you and your wife probably had this a similar conversation to me and mine after we got married. But the first, I mean, the, within the first year of getting married, the, some things that I told my wife and I, I tried to instill in her because she, we grew up in the same town, but we grew up in a different uh, household, if you will. Uh, she grew up in a very different climate than I did. Um, the first thing I told my wife is you never, you never drive to and from work the same route every day. You never drive the same route every Monday. You never drive the same route every Wednesday. You always drive a different route. And she thought I was ridiculous. And until I explained to her, every criminal ever has been caught due to their routines. Routines are great. They're, you know, you get up in the morning, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, you shave, you do whatever. Routines are great for keeping your sanity. But what they're also great for is for people to be able to profile you and know when and where you're going to be. Yes. Um, when my wife was jogging every day, getting ready for a 5K, I told her, you never jog the same route every day. You never jog the same route every Monday. You never jog the same route every Tuesday, period. 
Because, again, if you do that and you have that routine, it makes it easier for someone to say, I know she's going to be here around 530 because I've watched her for three weeks and she does the same thing every day at 430 and she'll be here at 530. Um, I, I bought my wife a knife. That was the very first gift I ever bought my wife was a pocket knife and she's carried it every single day. Uh, second gift I bought her was a pistol, and then uh, I trained her how to use it. Um, that comes back to training and being prepared. If you wanted to become a carpenter, you would go and seek training on how to be a carpenter, on how to cut wood, on how to hammer a nail, and you would get training on that. There's no different with self-defense. Um, and until people start realizing that your self-defense is in your own hands, and getting that training, we're going to continue to see these issues arise. Um, but yeah, that, that's a few things. Don't drive the same way. I've actually had a, <laughs> I have driven a vehicle with a uh, GPS in it, and I've actually had people comment on me driving back and forth to work. They're like, well, you never drive the same way every day. And I said, you're damn right I don't. Like, what are you into? I said, I'm not into anything, but I also don't want anybody to be able to know where I'm going to be at any given time. Exactly. Um, it, it's a lot of people think it's a very Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, pessimistic mindset. Um, but it's kept me alive so far. <laughs> it's, a, it's a preparedness. It's a mitigation mindset, really. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you're looking to lower the impact of criminals on your life and your family's life. Exactly. Uh, by doing these simple actions. Exactly. You know, something I explain to people, and that's my field of expertise is mitigation. Yeah. You know, little things, little mitigation efforts that can be in place uh, and implemented can really make a difference in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that in mind, I think we could go to our next uh, topic for this subject being uh, OPSEC. What do you have to say? Uh, on? The, let, I'll let you open up for OPSEC. You, you have more of a uh, military uh, position on it, so, so I'll let you start that one. Uh, OPSEC, that's uh, Operations Security, basically an analytic process that's used to deny your enemy information. Uh, just like you, you, you employ OPSEC in the various routes you take home. It, you're sure. denying an adversary the information. Uh, generally unclassified, it's concerning intentions and capabilities, uh, identifying planning processes or operations. It, it doesn't replace your other security disciplines no uh it supplements it uh, yeah that's a good process yeah. is, is a five-step process it's identifying critical information it's identifying the threat it's assessing vulnerabilities uh it's analyzing the risk and then it's developing and applying or implementing countermeasures right and uh you've got uh, within the realm of opsec you've uh, countermeasures is, is basically employing or implementing devices or techniques that have the objective of impairment to the effectiveness of an adversary's activities. Uh, it can include anything that negates or mitigates their ability to exploit your vulnerabilities. Uh, because that's what they're looking to do. Criminals are looking to exploit <coughs> vulnerabilities for their gain. You don't want that. Right. They're looking for critical information. They're looking for specific facts uh, uh, about friendly intentions capabilities. So you need to make sure that they have guaranteed failure or unacceptable consequences for the accomplishment of 
what they're wanting to do to you. Um, Absolutely. Security countermeasures would be uh, methods and means to gain and maintain essential secrecy about your critical life, uh, your life actions. Um, there's things that you have to do uh, as far as risk analysis. Uh, you got to identify your vulnerabilities compared to perceived or actual uh, security threat scenarios uh, to determine the likelihood of a compromise. Uh, what's what's the likelihood of getting jumped in a grocery market parking lot that's very dimly lit? Well, it's going to be a lot higher than one that's exceptionally well lit. Right. So you have to look and do a quick risk analysis, risk assessment, evaluate the risks uh, compared to the information based on the intelligence collection of your situational awareness. Right. You know, then you have to. There's there's vulnerability, which is a which is a variable, a weakness that an adversary can exploit to get that information. Yes. Um, for example, running with your earbuds in, that's a vulnerability. Uh, they can <laughs> really implement their ultimate plan mm -hmm. if you're doing that consistently. So these are just some of the various uh, aspects of opsec or operational security that uh, the military employs in denying the enemy the ability to carry out a mission against us. And you can also implement that in the form of mitigation in your own life, your own daily routines, mixing them up, changing things up so that anyone who's observing you to gain access to your home, your business, or your personal life to ultimately carry out some nefarious plan, yep. you're negating their efforts. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people, I think probably assume things like OPSEC uh, doesn't pertain to them because it's a military thing. Again, my, my dad was an MP for the United States Army, and OPSEC was something that we utilized in our everyday life. Uh, and, and with that, I actually have a couple pictures here um, that I, I think you and I, I think we'll have a good discussion over. Uh, social media is the bane of my existence. Now, I am in the computer field, the tech field. I have watched social media grow from nothing to being a giant sprawling monster of anti-opsec and data mining. Um, and actually, I'm going to go ahead and present this so Josh can see it. Let me... It's funny you mention that because uh, I know there's someone who's very, very close to me who is a data miner. Yeah, and it's amazing the information they can obtain through your little clicks on social media. It's absurd. Uh, let me pull up a picture here. Uh, you'll get a kick out of this one. Uh, this is. Can you see that, Josh? Yeah. Okay. So this is something that I came across yesterday, and I wanted to add it here. Um, this has been going around various uh, social media platforms. Uh, you'll notice there one F and one B. In your mind, what do you think that is? Um, I mean, it, it appears to be hastily drawn on there. Mm -hmm. So somebody's writing some sort of identifier on the vehicle. Yeah, yeah, it, it's in there uh, that it, the owner of the vehicle is a female with a baby. Uh, so one one female, one baby, and this it is speculated. Now I don't we don't have data on this, folks, but it is speculated that this is uh, part of human trafficking. They are designating, they have, I would probably assume, a spotter um, that is looking for targets uh, and identifying the cars so that a, from a, 
criminal point of view, a, a catch team would come in and, and try to kidnap that woman and baby. If that was on the list of things that they near people that they needed. Um, another thing that a lot of people don't think about is your car. Um, folks, I get a kick when I drive around and I see people with bumper stickers. Um, and this is a, a good example right here of someone who just has an abundance of bumper stickers and personalized license plate. And this is everything that OPSEC stands for. This goes against. <laughs> I mean, would, would you agree? Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> if you, they've just described all their major life aspects yeah. within these stickers. And so that's an easy identifier of what their activities are. Uh, what time of year they're going to be gone from the home? Yep. Uh, traveling. Uh, who's going to be away from the home? What do they have in the home and in the vehicle? All that can be quickly identified. Uh, A young daughter named Olivia. Yep. Uh, you know they have expensive toys. They have a dog named Max, who's a you know like it says there. We have a small breed dog that answers to Max that probably is not going to bite you when you come in with a piece of baloney and call his name. Yep. Um. You know, and then we know where their kid goes to school at. We know their husband goes away to the oil fields quite often. Um, we know he likes to hunt again, so he's he's going to be gone in November. He'll be gone all weekend, opening season, opening weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, folks, this is y'all giving information away from a tech point of view. Me being uh, into the technology field, being a computer tech and uh, I, and a teacher, I teach my students about social engineering, uh, how to get information from people to achieve uh, access to various servers, data rooms, or whatever. And uh, social engineering is not needed if you're giving out the information. Right. Um and here, oh yeah, I didn't mean that. That makes, that makes a data miner's life easy. Absolutely. Well, and, and even if you're not even looking at a data perspective, uh, for trafficking perspective, now this person knows that most likely your husband's going to be gone, opening day, deer season, weekend. You've yeah. got a you've got a ba a small baby and a young girl named Olivia. You've got a dog. Well, you've got a baby on board, so you're going to be probably preoccupied with that baby at certain times of day, like feeding times and bedtime. Uh, so what's the best time to uh, go into your house and kidnap your young daughter? Well, I'm 8.30 when you're trying to put the baby down to bed and your husband's gone and your little dog named Max is eating his bologna that you brought into him. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, you've given them all the information they need. Um, yeah. And that's just on your bumper stickers. That's not even to mention social media which I will present now. Let's see here. It's going to take me just a second here to pull this up. There we go. And that's why I have strongly gotten away from listing too much personal information. Uh, as far as my family goes, Yeah, you'll see these days anyway, very little that I post about family on uh, Facebook. I am actually doing uh, much of the same. Uh, and that's what actually what I'm about to show right here. So, um, I took two random people that I know, uh, and I have uh, scrubbed most of the information that, that gives out anything that anybody could use, um, and, and pretty much just taken it down to the bare necessities, uh, just to show people. So this is one 
very uh, young lady that I know. Um, it's got all of her jobs listed here from 2007 to 2020. It's got where oh, she went wow. to college. It's got when she graduated high school and what high school she went to. So if I were somebody wanting to I mean, be nefarious, you know, all I would have to do is take this information that she has put out here on social media and use it as pretexting. Um, for those of you who don't know what pretexting is, it's a, a social engineering term. Um, pretexting is where you set yourself up with a reason to have to be talking to a person, a, yeah. a reason to be there. Uh, so, hey, you don't remember me, but I used to go to such and such pharmacy that you worked at back in 2018. Oh, now I've just, oh, okay, well, I don't remember you, but what do you got going on? Now I've opened mm-hmm. the door for conversation. Yeah. Um, let me try to get to this next picture here. There we go. Uh, right here, she's got her email address. So, uh, got her, her birthday and year. Uh, her uh, sexual preferences. Right here, we've got that she's not in a relationship, but I know her son's name, her sister's name, her uncle's name, and her cousin's name. Again, mm-hmm. I can go in with pretesting and say, hey, yeah, I know your cousin such and such. Remember, we met at a party back in 07 when you, uh, right after you graduated high school. Yeah. You know, um, guys, you have to think like a criminal to be able to keep information from the criminal. Um, right here, she's got all, I mean, most of her major life events here, started a new job, left a job, had a child. Uh, it's all right there, black and white. Uh, and again, it's not, oh, this isn't even the bad one, Josh. This, this is the lesser of the two. Um, this next one I'm about to show you is a girl I actually went to school with. Um, and I'm actually going to be contacting her this evening after we do this and uh, explain to her why she didn't take us off there. Um, so we've got her current job, uh, her former jobs again, um, where she studied at high school and college, uh, the years. This is all great information for somebody who wants to pretext, who wants to mine your information to be able to set up a false identity for and a reason that you may know them, but you just don't remember them. Right here, we've got every city she's ever lived in and what years she moved. Got, again, birthday, date, and year. Her religion, her political views, you know, this is all information I can use to open up a conversation to uh, make her feel real comfortable around me if I had nefarious intent. And (laughs) you'll get a kick out of this one. Every relative she has, I have their name. I can go to their profile and find out where they live, where they work. Yeah. Oh, there's more. All of her relatives, even her grandma. Uh, yeah, it's it's appalling. Um, and then just her, you know, her bio itself gives me, which I've scrubbed it where it can't be read. Uh, for her safety, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, for instance, if you look down at the bottom here, it says she gets her bitch from her dad. Dad. Well, that, you know, I can use that as a, hey, you remember that time? I remember you told me this story at this party about your dad saying you get it, your bitch from him. And then I went to her dad's profile and I found out her dad's uh, uh, nickname is Papa Pig. 
and so now I know her dad's nickname. Why would I know that if I didn't know her dad, if I wasn't close to their family? Yep. You know, uh, this information, people, is dangerous. It is dangerous to have out there on the web. Um, and I don't think a lot of people even realize what all can be done with that information. Um, and that's where operational security comes in. Uh, if you are not going to secure your data and information, no one else is. And you're putting it out there for everyone. Um, that's the biggest thing. I've got older teenage nieces and nephews that I tell them all the time. Stop putting this shit on Facebook. You know, um, it's dangerous. We, we are far too comfortable putting uh, aspects of our lives out there. You know, we've, I, uh, we've even had the kids stop accessing stuff. Um, we haven't let the kids, you know, access uh, TikTok. Yeah. Um, musically, uh, even get, even just getting on the Xbox, certain games we've eliminated because of the potential for conversations to take place. Mm-hmm. And we just said, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree. My my oldest is um, uh, not old enough to be into all that uh, yet. Uh, but he, he is into video games and he plays a Sega. <laughs> he's got a Sega. Um, and, and it's for that reason. He's he's begged me you know, for Minecraft and for, for Fortnite. I said no. Uh, he has the unfortunate displeasure of having a father that uh, being in the tech industry, I know the ramifications of that information being out there. And being the way I was raised, the way his, his grandfather raised me, uh, I know not to even open the door to allow that nefarious person access to that. Um, if that makes sense. So, uh, his misfortune, but, uh, it's less likely for him to get kidnapped. (laughs) It's a, it's, it's such a messed up world right now. Yeah. Uh, It's honestly scary. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. There's a lot of messed up people in this world. The world itself, nature in and of itself is good. Dangerous yep. and wild, but good. The people, there's some messed up people in the world. And we really have to protect ourselves and our families against them. I agree. I agree 100%. And that's that's the goal here, people. I want, and I, just like I told you when we talked a couple of weeks ago on the phone, I want a lot of fire in the souls of men. Um, I want to empower and educate women again this is not victim blaming anybody that sees what we're doing is victim blaming um you're you're fucking idiot pardon my language but um we're not victim blaming we want women to feel comfortable going out for a jog the way to do that is to give them the training and the tools to be able to defend themselves you know whether it's whether it's a carrying a pocket knife you know, something like this in the hands of someone who knows how to use it is devastating. I don't yes. care if you're a 105 pound woman against a 280 pound man, you get him in the liver, he's going to go down. Yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, it, it, I told my wife, um, again, I, I did take martial arts when I was a kid. Um, and I've been, I've trained, been training my wife, you know, and I don't train her on how to do a, proper rear naked choke. I don't train her on how to do a proper triangle or an arm bar. I train her on how to hit the sweet spot, punch them in the Adam's apple, punch them in the nose. Then you hit them in the groin because there's one thing that is true of all people. If you can't see and you can't breathe, you can't fight. 
That's true. Um, <laughs> like I said before, it's not – this isn't a fair fight. This is a fight for survival. Um, and I think we need to go back to uh, a time when we had harder harder men in charge. Um, not, not, not trying to make this political or anything, but um, we live in a time now of iron ships and wooden men when we used to live in a time of wooden ships and iron men. And that's what I want to see back. I want a lot of fire under the ass of every man in the world, in this country for sure. Uh, if you see someone that you think is stalking a woman at the store, follow him. Ask him what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, t- Direct his attention somewhere else and let him know you see it. Yeah. Um, if you are not comfortable with that, find an employee. Call the police. Call, do something. Because how are you going to feel at night the next day? The next night when you see that that woman was abducted and you could have done something about it. Exactly. Um, it, it's crazy. Go Raising ahead. that awareness and getting people to be proactive with it. And, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what we're here for. But I had a, uh, a situation that my wife told me I should probably mention this. Uh, we were in Salt Lake City uh, a couple years ago for a conference. I was there for a conference. My wife went with me. We walked out of the hotel and. Um, when we walked to the hotel, we turned to the right and we went, we're going to go down the block and hang another right and go down to a little bar that was down there. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, when we walked past the door, a man stumbled out of the door and I could see him in my, I kept him in my peripheral because it struck me as odd the way he was walking. Um, he was walking he was directly behind my wife. I had some stuff in my hands and I handed them to my wife. I said, put your back against the wall. And she did. And so did I. And I got my cigarettes out. It was, I was, uh, went from yellow to orange. All right? I've identified a possible threat. Now I need to verify if this is yes. a threat. Um, so pretexting, you know, this comes back to my, I, I've done everything I can to be very proficient at social engineering, right? So I pulled out a cigarette. I was lighting a cigarette. And I said, can I help you? You like a cigarette? And he just stood there and looked at us. Uh, I looked at him for a second. I told my elbow, my wife, I said, go on. She walked in front of me about three feet. I kept him in my, my left peripheral. And when we got to the corner, I said, go to the bar. And I stopped at the corner and put myself between this man and my wife while she walked down there. And I told him, we're going that way. You're going that way. If you go this way, you're going to have a bad day. I'm not from here. I don't know what kind of people you're used to being around, but I'm going to fuck you up. You're going to go that way. If you come this way, you're not going to remain conscious very long. And he turned around and walked off. Um, and that I went from yellow, noticed something that seemed odd. And I, we'd only been there for a day. But I had already put into my database, loaded my database with how people downtown were acting. If you've never been to Salt Lake City... Salt Lake City is a very clean city, and there's one thing that is very out of the ordinary. You won't see any homeless people downtown. You won't see any drug addicts downtown. When you're downtown, you see businessmen, businessmen, and religious folks. Nicely dressed, you don't see anybody that looks disheveled. This man looked disheveled, seemed to be under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Everything that, when I saw him from a split second, said, this is out of place. Something's wrong. Went from yellow to orange, identified or tried to identify the threat, went to red. I've identified the threat. Now I'm being, uh, instead of being reactive, I'm being proactive. I 
trying to put fear enough into him to let him know I knew what he was doing or I thought he was up to something. You're going to go this way, and if you don't, I'm going to fuck you up. Uh, again, pardon my language, folks. Uh, I've got a sailor's mouth sometimes. But um, that's what I want to see out of everybody. I want to see everybody doing this subconsciously. Um, I don't know if it, you have it, Go ahead. It, it, it needs to. It needs to be. There's a, a paradigm shift that needs to take place in our society. And that paradigm shift needs to be towards uh, OPSEC situational awareness mitigation, uh, lowering the impact and prevention, if at all possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, hell, I got another story. As a matter of fact, uh, I just thought about this one. Um, I was in Orlando, Florida. Again, I'm downtown in Orlando. I'm there for a conference. Uh, walking around downtown, and a guy stops. And in Orlando, you see homeless people. You see guys out begging for yeah. money. It's uh, I've been there. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah. I was downtown. I was looking for a specific uh, pipe and cigar shop. I was getting some some house tobacco for my pipe. That's what I was looking for. And uh, the shop wasn't open yet, so I was walking around downtown. And the way this area of downtown was is you had the door was recessed into the building, and you had kind of angled glass. Um, a man stopped. Hey, man, give me some, can I get some money? I said, no, I don't have any cash on me. Uh, kept walking. Well, walked about a half block. And I noticed in the angled glass that he was following me. And so I started walking the most random path I could walk. I mean, there was no reason this man should have been behind me for 16 blocks. But he was. Um, he made the error in following me back to the uh, parking garage that I parked in. I parked on the fifth floor of a parking garage downtown. And because I'm situationally aware, when I parked my car, I noticed there's no security cameras in this parking garage. I got in the elevator. I noticed there's no security cameras in the elevator. I got out of the elevator on the first floor. There's still no security cameras. The door mm. swung to, when you're going out, swung to the right. So when I went back in, it swung to the left. And there was a, you know, there was some stuff on the right of the door there. He followed me back. Uh, I, he was about 50, 60 feet behind me probably. So I walked through the door and the door shuts on, you know, on its own. I stepped off to the left and behind the door. He followed me in. I put him in a rear naked choke and put him to sleep. I got in the elevator, went to the fifth floor, got in my car and left. I have no idea if he was going to try to rob me. I assumed he was going to try to rob me because why else would he follow me for 16 blocks and then follow me into a parking garage? Very high likelihood. Now, I didn't hurt him. I, by all rights, could have waited for him to do something, pulled my gun, and shot it. Um, But I didn't. I I was uh, proactive. Uh, I put him to sleep so he could not attack me. Uh, And then hopefully he learned his lesson when he woke up. But, I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here. Being able to identify these threats, you know, if I'd been at level white, he'd follow me. I never would have noticed that he was behind me. Um, and then who knows what would happen. Then by the time I take the shiv in the back, it's too late. Yep. You know, it's a sad it's, uh, it's sad that we have to live that way, but it's a fact. I mean, it's, it's a fact. Well, as you said earlier, there's always been evil men. It's a lot more publicized now because the instantaneous reporting across the globe yep. uh, presents a situation where we can now truly see just how many evil men there are. Yeah, and I think there's always been a large concentration. We just never known about it in large amounts until further down the road because news didn't travel as fast back in the day. 
now you have instantaneous live streaming, live streaming, yep. live streaming. Yep. And we hear about it all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's and, and there's a benefit to that. As, as much as I bitch and moan about social media and the internet, there's a benefit to it because it does bring awareness to, to this stuff, you know. Um, now you have independent journalists that, that you don't have to go to journalism school. You can actually just be putting information out as you find it and come across it. And uh, I think it opens up before for this conversation, you know, for this conversation that we're having and to try to change lives and minds. Well, that's our purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bringing awareness to the table, enlightening those around us, and if we can save a life through it, it's all worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so let's um, before we wrap this up, let's talk about um, let's talk about tools of the trade. Let's talk about EDC. Let's talk about. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about what you carry on a day to day basis. Uh, I'll talk about what I carry. I don't care about uh, people knowing what I carry on a day to day basis. Uh, but let's talk about what we recommend people to carry every single day for sure. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I keep what I carry completely classified. No one ever knows what I'm carrying. It's fair enough. So it's just, that's just a personal preference. Sure. Uh, I don't want anybody knowing what I've got on me. That's a good um, OPSEC. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't let that ever get out. Yeah. Well, uh, but I, I do advise that people do carry personal protection with them at all times. Absolutely. I do understand there are some businesses, uh, that will say no weapons allowed. Yep. Um, if you choose to carry there, that's up to you. Yeah. Um, I always recommend carrying. It's just not my personal opinion. Carry some sort of personal protection asset on you at all times. And it really depends, uh, on what your, what your current surroundings are. Um, you know, if you're going on a trip, you know, your surroundings, you know, where you're going to be going, you know, you, some people may not have the budget to have a large arsenal to choose from. Sure. Some people do. Sure. A good buddy of mine, he has an entire fortress in his basement. <laughs> they have one of the most comprehensive uh, selections of weapons I've ever seen in my life. He spent the last 10, 12 years of his life building this. And it's so beautiful. <laughs> I, I drool on myself every time I'm in his basement. I'm just like, ah. Oh. If ever given the opportunity, please introduce me. Fantastic. Well, because of actually mentioned that we, we, we need to have a range day before the end of the year. So. I've got a place. <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, well, because of the nature of my YouTube channel and, and the, the videos that I do, I, I, I personally don't care for people to know what I normally carry because I, I put those videos and pictures out for to give people kind of an idea ideas because I do a lot of uh, budget items. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there on, on YouTube that are putting out, hey, I got this $450 OTF knife. You should get it. And it's not feasible for everyone. And I will never spend that much on a knife. But um, yeah, I, I carry a, at least a knife and a multi-tool on me every day. Um, I wear uh, applicable. Uh, I carry a I carry a concealed firearm every day, uh, and I have since I was 21 years old. Um, and that is something that I will continue to do because the best tool you have is the one you have on you. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> um, um, you know, I, the the obvious keys and a cell phone and everything. But you know, if you if you were going to build a house, would you go without a hammer and a drill? I don't think no. you would. 
Um, I live my life as, uh, and again, people think it's pessimistic, but I live my life as if I'm going to have to defend my life at some point in that day. Uh, so I carry the tools necessary to do that. Uh, and there, I recommend that everyone does. <laughs> there's an old uh, Japanese saying, better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, it, again, the best tool you have is the one you have on you. And why wouldn't you have the tools that you need for the trade? Um, again, it's not, I don't see it as pessimistic. I see it as being optimistic, optimistic that I can defend myself and my family if, yes. if need be. Uh, I dedicate a lot of time to training. Um, and I think one thing we haven't mentioned on here, I want to get your opinion on uh, mental training. You know, getting the information, getting the training on how to defend yourself is one thing. But I I am a firm believer in training yourself mentally to prepare for those situations is important. What, what's your view on that? I think, I think it's really vital. It's, it's essential for mental training. Now, my experience in mental training um, was probably a little more intense than a lot of people's. Sure. Boot camp at Fort Benning, Georgia. Sure. The Rangers. I trained under the Rangers. I served under Rangers. I got to serve under Sappers. I got to serve <laughs> alongside Rangers a couple of times. And you know, the the mental fortitude, the uh, the the perseverance, the self discipline, the ability to stay cool, calm, and collected under extreme stress uh, can go a long ways. That's one thing that they really did do in the military is push you to your absolute breaking point and beyond. Mm -hmm. And uh, you learn how to maintain an even keel during the storm. Sure. And it's still, you're still going to have days where you're off. You're still going to have days where you feel like you're about to break and, and you need, you need uh, a timeout. That's but just the human condition. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, even I have those days still uh, from time to time. I'll have a day where I just need to walk away from everything for a few minutes, uh, clear my thoughts, gather my breath, and then go back at it. But the important thing is to not let your emotions override uh, your logic. That's huge. That is huge. It's tough to do. Like if someone gets up in your face screaming and yelling, um, you see so many other people, they just want to bulk chests and start going at with them. That's, that's not the appropriate response. Someone comes at you like that, the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut, stay calm, and maybe back up a little bit and try to assess the situation a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, I agree. That comes from, like you said, that mental training. Uh, being able to withstand a verbal barrage and not fly off the hill yourself. Yeah, I, I see it as, as kind of callousing your mind. Uh, David Goggins talks about that a, a lot. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a uh, mm -hmm. former Navy SEAL. Uh, if y'all listeners aren't familiar with David Goggins, he was 300 pounds, decided he wanted to become a Navy SEAL, lost over 106 pounds to join the, the Navy and go into the SEALs program. But he talks about callousing the mind, um, mentally preparing yourself for whatever may arise. Uh, and that's doing doing things that suck. Uh, one way that I have tried to do that, obviously, I've not been in the military. I don't have the same training as someone like Josh here or, or David Goggins. But one thing that I kind of started doing at a young age is I would I don't recommend this. Let's let's, let's do this right now. I don't recommend anybody do this. I'm just saying what I did. Um, so I would deprive myself of sleep uh, and then I would try to work out math problems. 
Um, I actually put an alarm on my phone where you had to do math problems to turn the alarm off. And it was that trying to stress my mind out to the point to where I can train myself to under a stress, under a load, I can still function. Um, and that was, that was part of it. Just there, there's a whole bunch of stuff I did that we could go on for hours and hours and hours Not on that specifically, but that, that approach is very much SEAL training. Okay. So it's Sears school, yep. uh, your special forces and all that jazz. Yeah. So I, and again, I, that, I'm coming into this with no prior knowledge, never going to basic training. This is just something that I, you know, like 18, 19, I thought, you know, how can I stress myself? to mentally to a point to where I can, I can work on being able to function under high stress. Uh, uh, sleep depravity was one of them was one of the ways I did that. Uh, and then trying to, like I said, do math problems or do, you know, basic mental challenges. Um, you know, just all, all kinds of stuff. I'd, I'd go out for a run then I'd come home and try to go directly to sleep with my heart rate up and stuff like, that. you know, just a lot of different stuff I did to try to stress out my mind and body. Um, and I, I personally think that I'm out of everyone that I know, or most people that I know, I probably stay the calmest in, in tough situations. And I attribute that to me training my mind, um, you know, just doing things that suck to do and then trying to make my, my brain work right while doing it. Um, do you have any recommendations on, on that subject? Uh, Coming yeah, at it from the military, uh, I mean, you might have a little better insight to that than I do. Uh, middle of fortitude training. There's books on it. Um, I don't have the titles or authors with me right at the moment, but I can get those for you. Email them to me. Uh, I'll throw them in the description of this video. Okay, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, there's mental fortitude books that you can read that kind of help you break down ways to uh, strengthen yourself on that. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of guys from Rangers and uh, and, and uh, Seals both have written about this subject. Cool. Yeah, if you don't care, email me some some titles or, or videos or stuff like that, and I'll, I'll definitely put it in the description because I think the more information we can get out to people, the, the better. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I hate to – I don't tell a lot of people this, but, you know, another thing that I've done for a long time is I would I would meditate. And people think meditation – a lot of people go to, like, Buddhism and stuff like that. Um, my meditation was, I think, probably a little different. I would actually – it's it's – pretty dark, but I would actually meditate and I would imagine, you know, my, my father dying or my mother dying or someone I cared about dying and, and would really get into a very dark place. And then I would bring myself out of that dark place, you know, and, and just to me, it's preparing my mind for very sad, very bad situations mm -hmm. and uh, preparing my mind to deal with those is, is one of the things I've always tried to do. Those are actually, uh, you know, for a lot of people, those are actually some really good exercises. Yeah. Especially for those with good mental fortitude. I, I think if, for me. If you struggle with depression really badly, I wouldn't advise those exercises. <laughs> no, absolutely. I don't advise anything. Anything that I say that I've done, I do not recommend. Don't do it. It's not not good for your mental health. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's that's another thing, too, that probably needs to be noted on that aspect. Your personality everybody's personality is different. Uh, find what works for you. Cause what I do is will not work for everyone. Um, uh, on that, on that note, one way to really help understand yourself and how you interact with other people. Um, one of the most comprehensive personality tests that's ever been developed was uh, recently <coughs> called the Enneagram. 
Yeah. And I can send you the link to that. Yeah, I nine actually have done that one. Uh, it's uh, <coughs> nine major personality types with yep. some subs of each other. And uh, I'm I'm a maxed out seven yeah. on the Enneagram. If you could if you could take the, the seven personality type and max it completely out, yeah, like all the way out, that's where I'm. That's yeah, me. I've done the Enneagram. I can't remember now which one I was. I did it about a year ago. Um, but I've also done the Young personality test, mm-hmm. Carl Jung's personality test, and all guys. All this stuff's going to be linked. I recommend you finding out who you are as a person, and then moving on from there with your training. Um, yes. because not everyone is equipped mentally or, or person personality wise to carry a gun to, to be able to do that. Um, sure. there's a, there's an old Latin proverb and it simply says, know thyself. Exactly. Know who you are. Know exactly. what you believe, know why you believe Yep. at all times. Yep. I believe it was art. Are you familiar with art of war? Mm-hmm. I, I believe it was art of war to know that, to know yourself as to know your enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so, um, yeah, I, I will, we'll link all this stuff in there. I, I am actually an ESTP on the Carl Jung personality test. So I, I'm a doer. Uh, I'm a fixer. That's, that's what I do. I, I find a problem and I fix it. And I don't really care much about what's in my way doing that, um, according to that personality and according to my, <laughs> my years on this earth, what I found out about myself, whether, you know, law and rules be damned. If there's something needs to be fixed, I'm going to fix it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, again, know yourself to know how to do this stuff. I don't recommend anything I did for mental, uh, fortitude, uh, because oh, it's, it's uh, taken me to some dark places and it's helped me, but it may not help you. <laughs> uh, I will only delve into that just a tiny bit. I've got plenty of stories on that same aspect. The only one I'll share today is, um, the, when you, when you're on mission and you reach a point of, uh, beyond 48 hours yeah. consistent operations, uh, you start to see things that are not there. Your yep. body really starts trying to shut down. Yep. Uh, once you hit 72 hours of being up consistently, um, it, it really gets rough. Yep. And I can tell you from personal experience, the way I was able to extend my situation awareness and ability to stay awake was uh, snorting Tabasco sauce. <laughs> We don't recommend this. <laughs> don't recommend that to anyone. But I can tell you that it does work. I imagine. I imagine it works well. <laughs> well, and that's in, in worst case scenarios, I did that. Of course, in our MREs, we got the little big festival bodies. Yep. And I'd carry three or four of those in my pocket when I knew I was going on a mission because you never know. How long is it gonna last? I gotta stay awake. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's I never went over probably seventy two hours I never went over. Uh, whenever I would I would do the sleep deprive you know deprive myself of sleep and and then try to do mental exercises uh, because I had read up on it and people if you're going to come up with a program for yourself please 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 research um, I, I did the research and it is it's not healthy to be up over seventy two hours without any sleep uh, so I I kind of cut it off there. 76 hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I cut mine off pretty much at 72 because that, that was all I was comfortable doing that I didn't fear going to the ER. Um, uh, but I mean, that's again, do your research. Uh, don't do anything that's unhealthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, meditate, whatever you think about while you're meditating is up to you, but mental fortitude is huge. When it comes to this, you know, until you know yourself and you can mentally prepare yourself, don't, you know, don't think that you're going to be able to handle whatever comes at you. 
Um, you know, that's, um, again, not everyone is equipped to carry a gun. Not everyone has the mental fortitude. Not everyone has the, the disposition uh, to carry a gun. Uh, I recommend if you are legal to carry a gun and you have uh, you figured out your personality and uh, you think you can handle it, I recommend it. Um, I, I think that an armed society is a polite society, to, to quote Ted Nugent, um, and consistent, several other people. <laughs> consistent, continual training in all aspects. Yeah. Weapons of self-defense, consistent, consistent, consistent training. Absolutely. That's, that's how you prevent uh, accidents. So. Absolutely. Well, and, and this is something that I go over with my wife. We do uh, dry fire training. Uh mm-hmm at least every other night, if not every night. Um, you, there's stuff online that you can get off Amazon to pop into your magazine to show clear and to, to keep your slide from holding back. Then we practice dry fire training. But we, at the same time, practice drawing from the holster, not putting your finger on the trigger until you're fully extended. Then finger goes on the trigger. Um, when you start out, it's not about speed. It's about consistency. And if you mess up and put your finger on the trigger before you're extended, you don't go ahead and you stop. You know, it's that that consistent training that turns uh, training into muscle memory. Exactly. Um, (laughs) You know, and and that's something that my dad instilled in me in a very young age. Um, Muscle memory is number one. That's a military thing. You know, that's why the military trains so hard, because when you are in those those very chaotic, very dangerous situations, you fall back on your training. Everybody I've ever talked to in the military, they say, if you're trained, you fall back on your training always. Yes, and you're, you're pretty much guaranteed to get the job done. Absolutely. <laughs> I can speak from experience on that. Yeah. I mean, that's... If you're, you're on mission and uh, something goes wrong and you get ambushed, mm-hmm. you fall back on your training. I can tell you that from personal experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, it's muscle memory. That's why you have to train. You have to train consistently and you have to train constantly. I'll give you another tidbit my dad told me a long time ago. If you go a single day without learning something new, it's been a bad day. Uh, so I have strived since I was a child to to learn something new every day. So I yeah. I spend a, a, an hour a day just researching topics that I, I think will help me in my life, in my situational awareness, and um, just in general every day, you know. And it's part of that, you know, that training that I, I think uh, benefits us as a population, benefits everyone. Yeah. Well, in today's world, the situational awareness and your ability to be the leader of your own uh, security team for your family is essential. It just is. Absolutely. And I encourage everyone to research, take the time, you know, skip Netflix a couple nights a week yep. and do some research, do some reading, do some studies, take some classes. Yep. You know, you will get out what you put in. Absolutely. So put in good hard work mm-hmm. and it'll pay off. It really will. Yeah, and you know, uh, and on that, and we'll again, I'll link stuff in the video. But uh, reading, I, I am dyslexic, and I have ADHD. I always have. Uh, school was very hard for me. Uh, when I try to read, words move. I eventually mm-hmm. learned how to read like that. Uh, dyslexia is a, a hell of a, a disorder, but um, I now have been starting to read more because it's not something I enjoy doing. It's something is difficult for me, but I'm, I'm forcing myself to do it again. Mentally, mentally I am callousing my mind because I dread it. I still, to this day, I dread <laughs> get picking a book up and reading. 
Um, but I force myself to do it. But I read the classics. I read the Art of War. I read the, the of the Sword and of the Mind. You know, I read these classics of people who lived, hundred, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years ago. That it was a different culture. It was a different time. You look at the Spartans, at the Vikings, at the the Japanese, very warrior driven cultures. Those guys didn't have PTSD after they went into battle. You know, they were mentally tougher than what we are now. Um, actually, uh, actually, they did. Well, did they? Well, I, I've done they a little did, research, they, but... They, I've done some extensive research okay. on this. They, there was actual PTSD at that time. Really? Um, okay. Yes. They, uh, there was a term they used. It, um, oh, what was the phrase? There was an actual phrase back that was actually first documented by <laughs> the Greek warriors. Okay. Uh, that that uh, we later have identified as PTSD. Oh, okay. Uh, it was they call it a type of sickness, a soul sickness. Oh, but it it the, all the exact same symptoms. Wow, exact same symptoms were documented. Oh, wow. So PTSD has actually existed, and I believe it's because the mind and heart of men was never designed for violent bloodshed. It's just something that we've had to become good at because of the evil. That's a good point. That's that's a really good point. Actually, I'm I'm so glad you 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 called me out on that because that's not. So I've researched very little into that, um, and I, I didn't even realize. I'll have to look into that now. If you don't care, send me some stuff if you have it sure, on that. Um, because I, I'm again, I, I try to to learn. I try to learn from history. I'm a big history buff. I love history because um, if those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Um, so I've, yes. I've studied Adolf Hitler. I've studied Stalin. I've studied these ancient warrior cultures. I've studied, you know, as much stuff as I can fit in to study uh, in my short time on this earth because uh, it interests me for one. But again, it's it's putting information into my database. Yes. Um, you know, Absolutely. so and I, I'm so glad we talked about I brought that up then because I, I had a false uh ideology about that so uh, i'm glad <laughs> yeah, you brought that up there's uh, i've done some extensive studies on ptsd i had to write a paper about that in my emergency management studies and that was one of the things we talked about was the documented uh occurrences of the uh, an illness or sickness uh amongst like even roman greek soldiers back in the day that uh, if you looked at all the, the everything that's described about it it describes ptsd wow and, uh, it's pretty pretty incredible. It just to me, it just tells us that you know, we were made for something more beautiful. Oh sure, war, yeah. Uh, but we've had to become exceptionally good at war. Yeah. So. Well, and again, that that's back to Tim Kennedy's. The only way to stop evil, bad people are good people who are skilled in violence. And it's it's true. a very it's a sad notion, but it's a true, very very true notion. Mm, um, yes. You know, and if it comes down to me and someone who's trying to hurt my family, I want to be better skilled in violence than I are. Hey, brother, I, I have a call I have to take. Sure. Yeah, man. I hey, have to take this. thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I will let you get off here and we can do it again. You bet. All right, man. Good. Have a good evening.